glory to his precious holy name. God, we exalt you for your many, many names. Oh, help us to reach out and hold on to some of those names and speak them out in the universe uh, to recognize that you're greater than every and any force that is coming against us. And you're willing to reveal to us how to conquer things in, in the power of prayer. We just open up our hearts and our minds to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we are here. So give us ears to hear and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord has prepared for us. Let us hear anew. Mm. God, heal the hearts that are messed up for whatever reason so it can be open to the truth. Not doing things as usual, listening and speaking things as usual, but to come into a new knowledge of Jesus Christ so that they can speak the mysteries of your words. God, we bless your holy name. And we thank you that you said that you will always be with us. And if we cry out to you, you will hear our prayers. And you will answer our petitions, Father. So I'm petitioning your court, the highest court of the universe, Father. I'm petitioning your court this day to do the supernatural in us this day. Let the revival begin now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And now, our Lord, I thank you for showing me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm going to read today's word for today when it, it talks about, but the fruit of the Spirit is, out of Galatians 5.22. And so when we hear this, remember that we're having an exchange. After salvation, we should be having an exchange. That means that we're giving God our junk, yes. our strongholds, our mishaps, our our ugliness, our everything that's bad, we're giving that to him, and, in, and in, in return, he's given us the fruit of his spirit, the power of influence, and, and, it's, and that's the title, the power of influence, and it says, everybody has influence over somebody. Amen. It's what you do with that influence that determines whether it's negative or positive. Socialist tells us that our lifetime, even the shyest and most introverted person will influence about 10,000 people, even the weakest. My God. <laughs> Every interaction you have with another person enriches or improvises them. Influence is never neutral. So you're, you're either helping them or you're destroying them. Okay? And you can't turn it off because it's built into the structure of life itself. Furthermore, it doesn't matter what your title is. Ultimately, your character will determine the title fits you. Amen? The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you have those qualities, people will line up to help you, love you, and follow you. You ask, how can I display all of these qualities? Humanly speaking, you can't. That's the bad news. But the good news is that it's not only a possibility, but a distinct reality when you're under the influence of God's spirit. 
this is why it's so important and necessary that we ask for the infilling of his spirit. Yes, we, we, uh, we've received his spirit in our heart at, at our new birth, but when you ask for the infilling, what you're doing is you're asking for his power, for his strength, for his direction, for his instructions, all of these things. That's what you're asking for. So you, you can't say, well, uh, he's already in me. But if you don't ask for the infilling, then he only can do so much because you haven't opened up your will to him, okay? The story is told of a little, bo little boy who kept falling out of bed each night, I like this story, and waking his mother up with his crying. One night after tucking him in yet again, she asked, how come you keep falling out of bed? He thought about it for a minute and then said, I guess I just stay too close to where I got in. That's powerful. I just stay too close to where I got in. You just got in and you ain't going nowhere. God wants us to do more than just get in by confessing the salvation prayer. There's work that need, needs to be done. Salvation is the starting point. But unless you spend time each day under the influence of Jesus, you won't mature. Amen. You won't ma maximize the spiritual gifts he has given you, and you won't discover and fulfill your God-given assignment in life. You will not grow, this is me, without having the influences of participation, of fellowship with other believers. Iron sharpens iron. We grow by our influences with each other. You cannot get it as a long ranger cut off. That is the trick and the work of the enemy. Okay, I have to, I have to read what uh, Pastor Tim's thought for the week he sent to me. This is his thought. It's so good. Move to move. That's the title of his thought for, for today. Move to move. And he's using Nehemiah 1, 3 to 4 out of King James to support his title. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Now that's what we're facing today in the church age. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned. This is Nehemiah, y'all need to know. Certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What moves you? What pulls the strings of your hearts and causes you to weep? How do you feel when you see people struggling, being mistreated or used as pawns in the devil's chess game? Do you care that Sister Johnson will spend her last to be a part of a religious organization that won't even call to ask how she is doing? The book of Nehemiah is a familiar story that deals with rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. We learn about the, his relationship with God and the favor found with an earthly king. More importantly, we learn about Nehemiah's compassion for people and their well-being when the scripture tells us that he wept. The walls being built were a metaphor for the many broken lives and broken people who needed help. We need more Nehemiahs today. If we are to manifest the change that we desire in our homes, communities, churches, nation, 
and, and in our world, we must rise above our cup barrier mentality and know that God has called us to something greater than ourselves and know that whatever he places on your heart to rebuild will be for God's glory and not our own personal agenda. What moves you? Will you allow the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus to move on your heart and fulfill the calling that God has on your life? Many are crying for help and are waiting for you to move. Will you answer the call? Be encouraged, Tim. I read this because when, after, when, I, after, when I got this, it was after I had done uh, my uh, lesson plan, and you're going to realize it fits right in tune with it. So I, I just had to read that to y'all. So I pray that you hold on to that. So we are in Colossians chapter 4, and this is just part three of You Are Above and Not Beneath. Mm-hmm. So, okay, um, Colossians chapter 4, and like I said, we're only going to get to verse 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And it says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all, or meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mysteries of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. And, and that mystery is to speak to the world. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without or outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech be all way with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, this chapter 4 is the continuation of godly advice for domestic life. So everything that we need to know in order to live in life is in the Bible. Amen. And so uh, for, for those who wasn't present uh, last week when we were do, uh, finishing up chapter 3 of Colossians, well, Paul begins to tell them around verse 10 to put on, on, on the new man. So when you put on the new man, which is Christ, because you've been saved and born again, then your actions are supposed to change overall in your life, not for a church appearance, okay? So he tells you how husbands and wives are supposed to act and employers and how children are supposed to act. So this is is a domestic form of information that he's telling us how to behave and how to handle ourselves and how to treat each other as unto the Lord. So, okay, so now he's talking about um, servants who's working uh, for masters. And so um, he says, masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal. Why? Because you have a master. Okay, that you have to answer to. And so he was speaking about Christian masters. This time, he had already talked about the workforce in chapter 3. He governs you on his place of business, and you have to do what you've been told to do. Okay, so now he's talking to Christian masters who are over people. And he says to, uh, to exercise 
grace with them and, and to be fair to them because remember, you have a master. And you know how in Matthew chapter 6 when it's talking about the Lord's Prayer and it says, uh, forgive my sins according to how uh, I have forgiven others. So, you know, people like to recite the Lord's Prayer, but you need to be careful about what you're saying because if you're having a hard time with forgiveness, maybe you're not holding anything against them. You, you just think that you don't need to ever say, I'm sorry. Because you either think you're always right or you have not done injustice to anyone as far as you're concerned. You don't ever say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Sometimes you have to say that you may not have done anything that was, was terrible or anything that the average person may not see is wrong, but it's about the person who is the recipient of what they received. If they have been wounded and affected by what you've said, they deserve an apology, regardless to your intent. You've done the damage intentionally or not. The damage is done. So if the damage is done, they deserve an apology to, so they can know that you were not trying to hurt them Amen. or to destroy them. Amen. Um, we have to do what is just and what is fair. Always remembering because what you do is going to come back on you. And, and you know what? It doesn't come back on you the way you dished it out. You get something different and greater. Okay? Because when you're planting seeds, you don't plant a seed expecting a seed just like what you planted. You're, you're going to get a harvest. And, and along with that harvest is going to come thorns and thistles. You get more than what you actually bargained for. Amen. So he says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. He's telling, he's telling the masters, the church, to continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Now, that means persevere in prayer. And watch in the same means to be alert and spiritually sensitive to the needs for which they pray. That's what he's telling them. We have a tendency to think that you can spur out some prayers and, and that's it and it's over. Okay, I, well, I pray for them. That's not what he's talking about because that don't work. He says, I want you to persevere and in your prayer and be watching all at the, at the same time so that you will be sensitive, alert to be sensitive to spiritual things while you're praying. So what did that mean? James says, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So if your prayers is going to be a, a, availing much because of your effectualness, then you need to be sensitive to what the Spirit is doing in the situation so you can watch and continue to be grateful and thankful yes. to the manifestation shows up. See, we go through a formality of stuff spiritually, missing out on the power of God because we're not looking for anything. We're doing it more out of a duty than out of a heart thing. Amen. Amen. Now, pers to persevere means to persist 
in a state enterprise or undertaking um, in spite of counter influences, opposition, or discouragement. I'm going to read that again because I want that to get into your spirit. To persist in a state enterprise or undertaking in spite of counter influences, opposition, or discouragement. That means you push forth knowing that on the other side of your prayer is victory because Jesus is with you and he is the victor. The least that can happen to you as a result of your prayer, the very least that can happen to you as a result of your prayer is that you, that you will grow stronger, more faithful, and patient in the Lord. The bottom line is, even if you don't see the manifestation of what you were praying and standing for, at least you will grow stronger in your faith you will become more faithful and obedient and you will have learned patience which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit so you can't lose you win every time because sometimes what you may be praying for it may not be that time but God will give you a peace to keep you moving on going on what he has assigned for you to do in this lifetime amen to persevere in prayer with alert minds and grateful hearts is the difference between a warrior and one who jumps to a fight. See, fighters get killed. Warriors do the killing and win the war. Fighters may win a battle or two here and there, but warriors win the war. And we're, we're on the battlefield. Not for just one little incident. We've got to win this war because the battle is between uh, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of hell. Yes. The spirit of life and the, and the spirit of darkness. Yes. Everything that's going on in our world is about that battle. But if you put your focus on the natural things that you see and understand, rather than on that, it is a much higher battle than what you can see and understand that is spiritual. That's why he says to persevere, to be alert, to be in tune to what the spirit of the Lord is saying, and not what you see, read, heard, or have experienced, because it's false evidence of what is really going on to keep us so that we're so downtrodden that before you realize it, you've been overcome and overtaken by the things that you see with your natural eye, the things that you hear with your natural ear. That's why you have to hear and listen and look through spiritual lens, through a spiritual eye and with spiritual ears in order for you to win the war, not just the battle. Glory. And, and so he says, praying, he says, in the meantime, with all, in the meantime, praying also for us that God would open up, open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mysteries of Christ for which I'm also in bonds for, which he's in jail for. We must pray for the success of ministry and not be cocky. 
You know how some people are so religiously cocky about what they're doing, what they're going to accomplish, and all of that. You, you aren't doing anything. It's the spirit of the Lord. Yeah. And then when you begin to do it, then there's going to be some, some fallout, and there's going to be some problems. I heard a pastor that is, is well-known, spiritually successful, says that when you have thousands of people in your congregation, there's a problem with the church. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because he just confirmed what, what I've been thinking and feeling all along. Why? Because when you got that many people who are following, you are saying what they want to hear. God talks about the remnant because you have to have ears to hear and a heart to receive what is true, not what makes you feel good. Okay? You can follow the masses and think, it, oh, they got it going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, let's go see what's going to happen at the end. Let me tell you, um, truth is hard to digest. And every time you hear it, we all are affected by God's truth. Okay, nobody sit up under God's truth and, and like, mm-hmm. You know, if you follow, you, there are some ouch moments. There are some awakening moments. We may have thought we were okay, and then we hear something that jars us and wake us up. The good news is, is that the whole intent is to change us, to fix us. So we, you, you need to rejoice when you have an ouch moment. Because now you're not staying in that same old mode. Amen. And so we have to be very, very careful about what we're willing to receive and, and what we want to throw out. Okay? Because um, we can be greatly deceived. Greatly deceived. And so this is why Paul is telling them to pray. Don't just assume you can just go out and win souls because you're on fire for the Lord, and I know, and, and, and I got a good pastor, and I go to the good church, and all of that. You don't be deceived. You better be walking out in the spirit of the living God with fear and trembling, humbling, because do you remember Jesus told his disciples, don't go out prepared with what you're going to say. You know how you prepare yourself for, to go out to do ministry? is to repent Thank God for all he's done for you. Give him thanksgiving and gratitude. Humble yourself by saying, it's not by my power, it's not by my might, but it's by your spirit, Lord, that I am going. Hold on to me. Use me. You speak through me. Also, there's a scripture in Matthew that tells us to pray for the laborers who are going out into the field. That's not only to pray for laborers to go, but to pray that they will go out in the right spirit, in the right mode, in order to bring in the, the harvest. Because the people won't come in if they don't hear a real truth that's going to penetrate them, that allowed them to see the difference between who they've been and who they can be. Amen. See, that don't just happen. That happens because the power of the Holy Spirit comes on board and, and reveals some truth to people that they had not even realized before. That's why I'm saying you got thousands of people falling. That's because they're having a good time. The music is good. And, uh, everything happens that makes them feel good bodily, fleshly. Nothing convicts their spirits and souls. So they just, it's another outing. But when you come and you be convicted and you're changed and you move to go in another direction, you're the remnant that God is calling for. 
And see, and Paul wanted them to, to pray that when they go out and speak and spread the gospel, that they're under divine direction. They're under divine direction. Why? Because, you, because just because you are under divine direction and on a divine mission, don't you know that it is subject to satanic hindrance? Write these two scriptures down and you go back and look at them. One that supports the fact that we all are under divine direction. Acts 16, verse 7. Then this is not for the fivefold ministry only. This is for believing believers. Okay? And then, then to prove that that assignment is under subjection to satanic hindrance, go to 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 18. The enemy is after... Jesus glory. So do you think because God put you on the assignment, everything is just going to go beautiful? This is why, this is why we fast and pray before the retreat. So that we are in tune to the spirit that we hear and that the, and we pray against the forces that are holding people back who needs to hear what God has prepared for them. We pray against those forces. And you won't be in tune to know how to pray and how to intercede if you're caught up thinking you got it going on. It's just going to be, it's just going to be great. Only way I know if it's going to be great is because the Spirit is going to lead me to, to tell me that. And then it won't be because it's going to be big numbers of folks and, and, and we're going to see all kinds of, oh, it's going to be because the few that is coming is going to be touched and changed forever. Touch and change forever. You know what? God has been blessing me lately with reports from young people. And y'all know that they're young people of my hearts who are coming back and telling me glory to God that I didn't, I didn't believe it. I thought it was weird. I was crazy. But now I thank you for what you planted in me. I'm still on verse 3. The mystery of Christ pertains to what is hidden to one before salvation that is revealed after salvation. See, when you read, go think back, if you read the Bible before you accepted Jesus Christ, it didn't make any sense to you. This is why Paul says the things of Christ to a natu uh, natural carnal man is foolishness. It just doesn't add up, okay? But after you get saved, because remember Jesus ripped the veil that blocked you from having the connection the Lord. God is wisdom. Amen. He is wisdom. Amen. And so when you read and get in his graces and his, in his spirit, you get wisdom. Yeah. And, with, and, 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 and wisdom means he's giving you knowledge that the average natural person can't perceive and Satan definitely can't perceive. He gives you knowledge, but then he gives you understanding of that knowledge that equals up to wisdom. Amen. Because he wants you to be able to use it and give it to others who need to hear it. Amen. So because of Jesus on the cross and his shed blood, that veil was ripped apart. Hallelujah, Jesus. So we have understanding and we need to be declaring that uh, with the mysteries. And what is the mystery? then we need to be declaring to people that Jesus died for you. Now you can live. 
because of Jesus' blood, you don't have to be in bondage any longer. The mystery of the gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Not in no other religion kind of statement, okay? And so Paul in in 3 is is reflecting on telling them uh, what his purpose of uh, and how they are to pray so that he can evangelize according to what God wants him to do, which means declaring Jesus Christ as the good news gospel. Then he begins to tell them how they need to uh, recognize that's their calling as well, to evangelize. Amen? Amen. And so understanding the mysteries of the cross and Paul's declaring the mysteries of the cross while he was in bondage, it was because he was able to do it because he did understand in bondage. This is a good example for us. We, were, we are not and will not be, praise the Lord, in the kind of bondage that Paul was in. Amen. We got issues, we got something going on, but the kind of bondage that Paul was in, Paul was understanding and was close to Jesus Christ and his focus was on having that information to save the lost. That included people who had him in prison. So he was evangelizing in the prison to the people in the prison who had him in captivity as well as to the people who are outside of the prison. That is, I mean, that is something for us to hold on to because he is a perfect example of how we, the believers, should react to adversities how we should walk in faith and not by sight, and how we should be confident, and our confidence must be in Christ and in prayer. We have to to come to that example and try to pattern ourselves after that. We need to recognize that your need for others to cater to you is an emotional deficit, not a physical need. So you may be having some physical issues and you think that people catering to you is, is because, oh, they feel so sorry for you because of your physical ailments, okay? You're eating that up because you have an emotional deficit. Why? Because as a warrior, do not want to be defeated. But once you fall into the trap of a poor me's, I can't my, and put all your little issues behind my, I need, you cannot and will not press to overcome. That's why you don't want to fall into that. Because all it's doing is allowing you to sink down into pity, self-pity, and not recognize that you you have been made an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You don't have to stay pray to whatever that has come upon you or come over you. Amen? You must, your focus has been weakened by the enemy to a defeatist mode. And you will never arise to an overcoming victory, even if once in a while you may say, I believe. 
Why? Because action speaks louder than words. And the enemy knows how to attack you and weaken your forces by your actions or your consistent behavior and the negative confession that comes out of your mouth. He's not all-knowing. He only knows what he sees and hears that's coming from you. And he recognizes because it's repetitive that that's a weak area. And so that's what he overcomes and overpowers you with. Someone else is the reason why you are down and, and can't do anything. You know how we play the blame game? You just accept and take accountability for your own behavior. Uh, someone else may have contributed to the thought, but you gave them the power by embracing it. Okay? Um, the other thing is your declarations like my high blood pressure my diabetes, my heart problem, my sickness. You, what, what has happened, you have taken ownership of sickness, disease, and demise. So now the enemy, who is the prince of the air, will make sure you have what you say. Let's go over to Ephesians 2.2. 2. So I didn't make up that phrase about the prince of the air in case people don't know. LeBerry took him. He said his grandsons was asking, what do flesh mean? Okay, um, Ephesians 2, 2 says, where in time past, he's, you know, Paul is talking to the e Ephesians. In time past, you walked according to the course of this, of, of this world. So it means you walk according to this age. And the age is the, is the world's time span that we're living in presently. He says, there was a time, mm, hallelujah, Jesus. We're living in an age of this world. But Jesus says, because you've been born again, there was a time when you walked according to this world system. But now, okay, y'all yeah, get it. He says, oh, there, there, we're in the time past. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Yes. The spirit that now worketh yes. in the children of disobedience. Yes. That's Satan. Yes. The spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience is Satan. So you see, Satan has the power of the air because he can take and distort what you hear. That's why you don't need to be saying these things. And you will have just what you say. Because when he hears your negative confession, he's like, glory. Okay, go ahead now. I got him. And now I got your glory, Jesus. Okay. What you need to do, put the before those conditions. The high blood pressure. The diabetes. <laughs> okay. Or don't put no pronoun before it at all and just say diabetes, Amen. blood pressure, heart trouble, okay? But follow up with, but, but Jesus. Follow it up with a but. The blood pressure is but, okay? Follow it up with a but because Jesus has the last word and then be declared, then begin to declare his words and then see what happens. Amen.
then see what happens. It'll blow the mind of unbelievers when you, when you are using God's word as, as your pharmaceutical. <laughs> You're taking a nap prescription three, four times a day. And, 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 and if you're on medication, take your medication. But every time you take your medication, plus say what God says, give yeah. his prescription and see and it make that other stuff work better and faster with no, with no side effects. Amen. We need to learn to speak what thus says the Lord. When you do that, that is persevering in faith and in prayer. Why? Because you're pressing against the pressure. You're pushing it back. Let me tell you, I'm not insensitive because I because you, you people who think that I'll never have any aches or pains, I'll never have nothing going wrong and all of that, including my husband, thinks I, I am the poster child for for good health. I just don't tell anybody but Jesus. When I tell somebody, I tell somebody else I know who is walking in faith, and I say, pray for, this has been a challenge, or this is going on. Pray, help me to pray for this. But I go to Jesus with my pains and stuff that I have, and I have to trust in him, cry out to him, help me, Father, to overcome and to stand against whatever I am facing, and that's how I'm able to overcome. Okay, uh, Back over to Colossians. Verse 4 says, That I make, make it manifest as I ought to speak. He's asking them to pray f- for him. Okay. And to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. That means it's outside of the faith. To walk in wisdom towards them that are outside of the faith. Redeeming the time. Okay. Paul is asked two requests from the Colossians church. One, that God would grant them opportunity both inside and outside of the prison to preach the gospel. Amen. That's what he's asking for prayers. He's not taking it for granted because he knows and he hears and he gets revelation deeper than anyone else have ever gotten. He's trusting God, okay? Two, that they will manifest the truth of Christ as they ought with courage and clarity because they too have to evangelize. It's not predicated on just Paul. He has trained them and prepared them for them to go out into the world to evangelize, but do it with courage and, 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 and clarity. So your focus need to be on Jesus Christ and, and not trying to show, I have never understood this and it just bothers me. Why Christians, when they're going to evangelize an unbeliever, wants to impress them with how much word they know? They don't even know what the word is, so they don't know what you know, even after you get through impressing them. Speaking a bunch of stuff. You can talk to people and give the precepts of the word without quoting the word. So because you want them to understand in order for them to come out. They can't understand something that their souls has not been changed to, to receive. So this is why we say we overcome by the word, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Because their testimony that you give is supposed to show where you once were, but what Jesus did, and now this is what, why you see what you see right now. That's the testimony. You, you, you can't test. Oh, 
You can't testify to unbelievers that have known you all along about the mess they know you used to do and think you're going to win them over when you never tell them, but, but now I don't even have the desire because Jesus took it from me. I don't have the thought of it because Jesus took it from me. And the only time that it comes up is when Jesus put me in a position to want to tell you or somebody like you about what he's done for me. So now those things that I used to do, I don't do them any any longer. I don't even have the desire for them because I have been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to win them over. When they see the difference. But you can't talk gang and live differently. Amen. And think they're going to catch on and want to receive what you have. They don't, they're like, I don't have to go in bondage and do the same thing you're doing. Amen. And the same thing I used to do. When they see the glory. When they see the awe around you. When they hear how yeah. peaceful, yeah. how joyful you are. No matter what your situation is. Yeah. Hallelujah. They want to know about that God you serve. Amen. In that verse four, with all, it it means, and he's saying, in the meanwhile, praying for them coupled with or in the method of prayer that I talked to you about in verse two. Persevering. With perseverance. Okay. In the meanwhile, how I told you how to pray for us. And yourself, you pray that same way for unbelievers. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Okay, verse verse, uh, 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Uh, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Now, salt represents the uncorruptible word of God. That's the only thing that can change the seasoning and a person's life. The uncorruptible word of God. Amen? Amen. And so he's trying to tell them that as an evangelist, you got to live wisely in your relationships towards uh, unbelievers to make wise and sacred opportunities in order to speak the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to them so that they, you don't dull their ears to keep them from hearing the truth. Okay, and so we have to really be in truth and in Christ. I didn't say in church. In Christ, following the way. You're in church because you're in Christ. Amen. And and so we don't want to be having a form of godliness, but denying the power of thereof okay you find that scripture in second timothy 3 5 and so what does that mean you see when we deny the power of god you uh cause great opportunities for god to show up to show himself to unbelievers and see you're going to have people unbelievers who are going to reject the message Automatically. That's why we need the power of God to be operating. You're going to have unbelieving believers 
Who's going to reject the message? You're going to have religious folks who do not follow Jesus Christ who's going to reject the message. You don't be deceived by terminologies that sounds like they got it too. Satan is a counterfeiter. And he knows how to say the same little word phrasings that you say. But they have no power because you've denied the power of God. That means you got to believe and trust God to, according to his word. Not just saying things because it sounds popular or it's like a Christian protocol. It's because you believe it and you're saying it to become more of a believer of what you've heard. This is what religious folks do. And they think they're saved because they know the terminology. And they know how to come back when you say something. They know how to come back with, yeah, amen, that's God. Do you know people say that and don't know Jesus Christ? They don't have a clue about who Jesus is. They think he's a good man, a powerful prophet. But you got to know Jesus as your savior, the sent one that came to redeem you from the curse of sin and the curse and the power of death. And if you don't understand that, let me tell you, it's greater than where you won't go after here. If you don't understand that, you don't have no power. And, when, and the power that I'm talking about, the power to see your stuff and seek God to change it. Yeah. Not so much about what you can do to others, but when you first learn how to see and recognize and be accountable for your stuff so God can change you, fix you, then you will have the power and the, and the courage to go out and declare what thus says the Lord. We all are going to have to answer at the end. But the more you understand what the cross has prepared for us or provides for us, the more freer you will become. Amen. Because that's the gospel. The gospel is not, let me tell you, if the gospel was about a man who showed up as a warrior and defeated the political arena, I'm, I'm thinking back in the days of Jesus, okay, riding a white horse. If that was the gospel, we would be in trouble because that would have been just one battle. He wouldn't have won the war. But no, the gospel is God knew that the first Adam was going to mess up. He had a ram in the bush. And that was the second Adam, and his name is Jesus. And he knew that he was the only person who had purified blood because he came from divinity to humanity with the purified blood that he was going to shed on our behalf to cleanse us from all of our sins. And that he endured the cross. The cross didn't endure him. He, the, he, the cross didn't tell him when the end was. He told the cross when the end was. And he told the Father, it's finished. The work has been done. It's over. <laughs> Glory. And then he went, after he went down to hell to take back the keys that the first Adam had given to Satan. 
He took the keys back and then he went up to heaven with a new glorified body. Man, he had rose from the situation, from everything that was bad and negative and did nobody take it from him. And he rose and went and sat on the throne with, with the father with a new glorified body saying, it's over, it's done. That's the victory. When you understand that message, now you have the power that he had on earth and you have the authority through his name because no one could defeat him. He could not be defeated by anyone, principalities, powers, rulers, darkness, nothing could defeat him. So you got that name, that authoritative name to say what needs to be said and come with a a heart of faith expecting to see what you have spoken because you have spoken what God has already finished. Let, Let me read you a praise report as a result of somebody who believes like that. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. That put me on a high. Glory when I read that. Jesus. This came from, this came from, you you all know Roz who sits just where Suzette is sitting right now most days. (laughs) Who, you know, was in the hospital. We prayed. We even went to the hospital one of those times because her immune system had been compromised. So, and it was like, uh, uh, it, it was it was life and death situation, but she believed the Lord in spite of it all. Because even when we went to the hospital to pray with her to uplift her, she was she uplifted us because her spirit was was just so high in the Lord and so good. So th- this is the report. Now she's been- glory. She's been coming out to service, thinking. Some of us ain't nothing going on, but we worried about being compromised by COVID. Okay, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> she, her immune system was not working. You're talking about being compromised, but she comes out to service. She comes out to morning glory prayer. She did not let that stop her with an immune system that allowed her to be compromised to anything, and God has kept her. You see what I'm saying? So this is what she what she sent this morning to to the intercessors. Good morning, praise report. Just saw Dr. Terabella, and my platelets have stabilized. They are now within range, 3,800 and 2,000, whatever that means. (laughs) She's a medical profession because you're a a nurse practitioner, okay? And that's right, you're a nurse too. Glory. So y'all, that's why they're smiling, so they know what this means, okay? She says, this is the day that our Lord has made, and I am rejoicing and being glad in it. Best present to receive. The day is on her birthday. Best present to receive on my birthday. She stood for what she believed, and she put herself in some compromising positions, and she'd been coming for months. And there's some of us that don't have no anything going on wrong with us, period. And we're so afraid that we're going to get this COVID that we get to stand off. No, I'm not coming out. I'm going to do what the government told me to do. 
When do you trust God? When do you believe God? If we can't believe God to be in the house that we set aside to worship and to praise him, then you need to go in your house. Don't ever open up a window. Lock the doors and stay in there till the government tell you it's over. But see, I know you're not doing that. So if you can go out into the air and go anywhere else you want to go, what's the problem coming to the house of the Lord? Coming with people with like minds where we can worship, praise, and, 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 and glorify our Savior and trust him. If I get it by doing it, so be it. Thank you. He did not come off his throne. And he got something greater he wants me to know. Or something I need to know about me. Whatever the case may be, I'm with him. I'm going to stay with him. I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to do what he's telling me to do in spite of it all. Because the end it means I'll be with him no matter what. And when I be with him in this afterlife, I'm going to have a new glorified body. And COVID and nothing else can't change that. And it won't define that. I'll be better than i ever been. Okay, uh, I'm going to do the benediction. We believe, but help our unbelief. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Lord, awaken us from a sleeping death. Inspire us to, to accept truth and change. We've been conditioned for so many years with thought patterns that were instilled in us for many different reasons from many different people. But God, we're going to make a decision today that we're not going to any longer live like that. We want to come out of habits and heritage and, 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 and traditions that does not glorify you, but just keeps us in bondage. Come out into a newness. You're not a God of superstition. You're not a God of probably. You're a God of sure, faithful, who major in the impossibilities. God, we want to make this decision in our hearts that it's for you we will live and it's for you who we will die. And if we die, it's still gain because we're living in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Pray God's blessings over everyone that's present, that you have a new blood transfusion, and that your ears will pop open and your heart will be renewed and formed so that you can receive the blessings of God. In Jesus' name, amen.